0: But first, I want to talk about a topic, uh, a news story that I have been following. I don't know about you, but this just fascinates me. It's the story out of Alabama where authorities are searching for a missing female corrections officer who is with an inmate, uh, allegedly, who is charged with murder. Uh, They went missing uh, a while ago, over a week ago. Vicki White uh, had worked for the prison for over 20 years. Uh, She took a convicted capital murder inmate named Casey White, no uh, um, relation out of his cell, and uh, it was unauthorized, and now they're gone. And she took a money out of the bank, she sold her house, she retired, and we're now watching this manhunt go on for the two of them. This brings me to the question of the day, which is, what makes women fall for notorious and dangerous inmates? Uh, we've seen it with many uh, different serial killers over the years and men who have been incarcerated. And with us to talk about this issue is psychology Dr. Oren Amite. He's a licensed psychologist, university lecturer, a court expert, and media commentator. Dr. Amite, thank you so much for joining us. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, thank you. How are you?
0: Good. Okay, so can you explain to our listeners what, is this a psycho, what's the psychological explanation of somebody who's otherwise a normal upstanding citizen, uh, rule follower, who, who does something like this?
1: Well there are several factors uh, first of all this is there's a term for this called a hybristophilia, and that's somebody who has this romantic desire or you know f- fantasies and so on about uh, being with somebody who commits these terrible crimes and um, in every case that I know of and know uh, directly the people who uh, you know have this condition are from abusive or neglectful backgrounds. I don't know of anybody with a healthy background, a relatively healthy background, who would um, fall in love with such people and maintain the relationship and, uh, in a case like this, risk their own freedom in order to, you know, to free this, you know, allegedly terrible human being.
0: So the people, so the women, and we'll say women because it, this is what we're generally talking about. I suppose it can happen the other way. But so the idea is that, that they have been abused in the past. And so what about this convicted murderer, this person who's behind bars, who can't really offer them any kind of life? Uh, what, what about that is attractive to them?
1: Well, there's several things. First of all, they are safe. And that sounds like an oxymoron because we're talking about some of the most reprehensible people on the planet But they are behind bars. They are safe. They are under control. They are um, at the mercy, basically, of the person, you know, usually the woman, as you say, statistically speaking, who is their, you know, their supposed love uh, interest. And usually these guys will have, you know, numerous, if not dozens of women all playing the same role. Uh, but again, this idea that the person is their captive audience, and this is one of the few relationships where, again, they truly are safe because the person really can't harm them, well, unless they get uh, manipulated into doing things like Ms. White did.
0: Absolutely, and you know, I would tell a little story. I um, many years ago, I represented uh, an inmate named Jeffrey McDonald, and some of maybe the, my older listeners would remember. There was a book um, out uh, called um, he, "He was the Green Beret Killer," and um, and he he supposedly and he was convicted of killing his wife and his two young children uh, in an army an army base many many years ago. He was uh, court-martialed, and he was acquitted, and they brought charges, and he was finally convicted. Um, Um, There's questions about whether he actually did this crime or not. But in the course of doing this, Dr., I met his girlfriend. She was age-appropriate. She was stunningly beautiful. She was very well-educated. She was extremely successful in her financial life and in her professional life, well-respected, lots of friends, good family that I could see and i just could not understand why she was obsessed with him would spend thousands of dollars would fly to go see him you know 3 hours in an airplane almost every weekend to see him can does this cut across all education and all money barriers or is i just i could never understand that can you shed some more light on that
1: sure and yes believe it or not it does cut across all socioeconomic Racial backgrounds, it's, it's, uh, it's, again, it's the broken person, uh, that is the common thread. And I don't know this, you know, person that you're talking about, the girlfriend, but if we looked at her history, there's a really good chance that, again, unfortunately, she comes from abuse or neglect. And one thing that people don't usually focus, or some people focus on, which is that this is their way to, to, you know, gain almost some kind of glory, whether it's in the public eye or for themselves, they convince themselves that the person who's in, uh, behind bars, you know, got a raw deal, that they are the only ones who can see the true, you know, the hurt soul, the, the one who got, um, you know, wronged, um, falsely incarcerated, and so on. And there's almost like a narcissistic, I'm using quotation marks around that, a narcissistic angle to it, because they believe that only they... Again, can see the real person. Only they know the truth. Only they have the ability to, you know, to bring justice to this person. And, you know, again, that there's almost a grandiose element to it.
0: Fascinating. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Oren Amate, and when we come back, we'll be talking about this a little bit more. And I also want to get into some of the personality disorder uh, uh, testimony that we heard in the Amber Depp, Johnny, uh, Amber Heard-Johnny Depp trial. A lot of words are being thrown around uh, borderline personality, histrionic personality, uh, and what, what that really means in light of domestic violence. You're listening to The Karen Conti Show, and you're listening to WGN. We're talking about the story out of Alabama, uh, with the corrections officer, female corrections officer is on the lam with a convicted murderer. Uh, she's been gone with him for about a week and, uh, there's a manhunt, uh, going on. And we're talking a little bit about the psychology of why women become, uh, romantically involved with these bad boys. And we're here with Dr. Oren Amate, who is a licensed psychologist, a university lecturer, court expert, and media commentator. Um, D- Dr. Amate I want to ask you, um, the, the people that uh, are, are in prison, I mean, a lot of them are, are people who are very manipulative and, and narcissistic and perhaps uh, sociopathic. Um, and it, it's probably fair to say that, that the, they're, they're a perfect, um, it's this perfect storm. If you've got someone who's needy and abused and wants to deal with somebody like this, this person would, would be able to manipulate them.
1: Yes, for sure. And Um, We have a thing called repetition compulsion, which is this unconscious drive to kind of repeat the traumas of the past uh, with people in the present because, again, it's all unconscious. It doesn't make sense, but the theory is that by doing so, We're we're healing the wounds of the past. So if someone is, you know, it comes from abuse, neglect, trauma, and they meet somebody who kind of evokes the same type of feelings, unconsciously they believe that if I can manage this relationship in a way much better than I could when I was a child, because now I'm an adult and supposedly have some agency, self-agency, then somehow I'm healing the wounds of the past with my, you know, usually it's a, a parental figure. And so, again, it might not make sense consciously but on the unconscious or in at the unconscious level this drive is very powerful and it usually doesn't take these extreme levels usually it's just somebody who may be a bit manipulative maybe a bit harsh and so on but sometimes it can go as far as as we're seeing you know some of the worst people on the planet
0: yeah, I mean this this guy this guy's this guy's really bad and and it's interesting that you know it's one thing to have a relationship with somebody in prison which is which is bizarre enough for us to think about but for this woman who by all accounts was a, an upstanding person in the community she was uh, she was a, she did, had an unblemished record she had a home she worked there for years and years with with no issues and for her to not only have a relationship but to actually take him out of there, which is a felony um, and dangerous. Uh, tell me about the pull. How, how strong is this pull? And what would, what would you have to do to get her to back away from this relationship?
1: Well, the last question you asked is uh, the tricky one, because, um, you know, anyone who's tried to help somebody who's in an abusive, harmful, uh, manipulative relationship knows that it can be very difficult because the person becomes so invested in helping or being with the person that they have to lie to themselves to such a, a grand degree that anyone who tries to speak reason to provide evidence, factual, you know, logical arguments, it, it causes a lot of distress to the person because it goes against the narrative that the person has created in their mind uh, in order to justify this you know, unjustifiable behavior. And when you're dealing with maybe a sociopath, as you said, or a narcissist, they are very manipulative, so they know what to say. They know how to make the person feel like the, you know, the most important person in the world. They love-bomb them, as we call it. And they're able to, uh, you know, just to make them feel that what I'm doing is virtuous, and this is my way to finally, after years of feeling like a piece of garbage, now I am going to feel like I am special. I am doing something good.
0: So flipping uh, topic a little tiny bit here, but, you know, why are we so fascinated with these stories? I don't know. I find myself so drawn to these these types of stories. Is there some psychological reason that that these kinds of issues become uh, very popular in in media and in the, the culture?
1: Well several reasons. First, everyone loves a train wreck, sadly. Okay, and I'm being hyperbolic, not everybody does, but most people right, are, you know right. we're pulled to that. But second, it's a supposedly normal person doing something very abnormal. But when it's a normal person, we can relate. There's some kind of vicarious either connection or thrill that we're you know, that we, we feel. And so it's it's not just like if, if if the if the prisoner escaped on his own, that would be one thing. But again, a normal person, supposedly seemingly normal person doing this, we can imagine, you know, maybe what would I do? in the situation or do I know somebody who's in a, in you know in a bad relationship who has done some pretty you know um, let's say uh, unbelievable things for their partner and so we can kind of connect to it on a, you know it two or three degrees removed and that makes it fascinating and it's also safe it's like riding a roller coaster you know you get the you, you get the, um, the it's a proxy to something more dangerous and people enjoy that
0: yeah and I know if, I also also wonder if it's a little bit too where you say like gosh wouldn't it be interesting to just take your life, you know, and move it somewhere else, like completely give up everything, including the way you look, give up your job, give up your home, give up everything you, you know, all your family and friends, and just go on the lamb and, and, and with somebody, you know, and, and not know what tomorrow brings. And there's something a little bit pulling about that. I mean, could that be part of it, too?
1: Well, that's why this is a fantasy, because most people would never actually do right. that. Right. So right. So if we can imagine ourselves again vicariously doing this and kind of following the story and so on, there is that um, again. There's a pull on that level, Um, and and the more again, the, the closer it is to something that we can imagine almost doing or actually doing, the more exciting it is because it comes that closer to being our own reality. Even though we know consciously it's not, unconsciously we still get that same rush, that thrill, the excitement.
0: We're here with Dr. Oren Amate, who is a uh, psychologist, and you use the phrase train wreck, and I'm going to now use that to segue into the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, which, again, has caught the fascination uh, of, of the public. Uh, you know, I, I actually, uh, several weeks ago when it started, doctor, I was asked to comment on it, so I said, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to take off time for my day and watch part of this trial, and I could not take it off my computer screen because I couldn't believe what I was watching. Um, so what we've heard is that these these terms being, um, being testified about, there was expert testimony that Amber Heard was a borderline personality and histrionic personality. Can you tell our listeners what that means?
1: Sure. So borderline personality disorder, and I have many patients uh, with borderline traits or full-on you know, personality disorder, and I have nothing but the greatest of empathy for them because, in most cases, at least from my direct experience, and there's some research that came out last week that questions this, but, um, in most cases, it seems that the person comes from a history of horrific abuse or neglect. Um, so it was so bad they have what's called, um, complex post traumatic stress disorder or CPTSD, and so it really involves a lack of self identity. Um, now we all play different roles in the different, uh, like we have different roles that we play in life. I, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a, you know, a lecturer, a psychologist, and so on. Um, and I know who I am at core, and I just kind of you know, modify it slightly to be in these different roles. But someone with borderline personality disorder, they don't have that stable sense of identity. Any role they play, that's who they are. And so when somebody comes into their life... They kind of get a sense of identity from that person. that person almost becomes like an appendage to them, so if there 's a risk of losing that person it 's like having a body part cut off and they become very frantic so with borderline personality disorder, we have um, very labile or very fluctuating uh, dramatically fluctuating emotions that can go hot to cold uh, very very quickly and all you know throughout the day um, there's a, a extreme fear of abandonment or rejection. Um, as I said, because it's like you're losing a part of yourself. Um, the emotions, as I said, no sense of identity. And um, a lot of self-harm, unfortunately. And uh, it's just it's this desperate need to be with somebody in many cases. That's the borderline personality disorder, histrionic. Um, most people who know about it only know about certain parts, and this is what's in the DSM or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, um, but uh, people know about the, um, the superficiality, the the focus on appearance, trying to be the center of attention, flirting with others. Um, That's what most people know about. But in reality, the most damaging part of histrionic personality disorder is that superficiality I mentioned. And it's not just interpersonal superficiality. What's really important is that the person cannot connect to their own or other people's emotions on a deep level. They can't have true empathy, they can't have a a healthy adult, mature uh, mutually rewarding relationship with others. and that's the part that's uh, you know that that i I consider to be the most damaging aspect of histrionic personality disorder
0: and these disorders am i am i is it fair to say that they're not you you can't take medicine for them, you can't even counsel them out of, of i mean they, they are kind of a permanent aspect to your personality and i suppose you could do some things to help and alleviate stress and anxiety and those types of things but they're not curable are they
1: Exactly. What we do is help them to cope with all the symptoms and traits and behaviors that go along with the disorders, and we try to help them, you know, for example, with borderline personality disorder, try to help them tolerate the extreme discomfort that they feel in their skin. The reason so many people with borderline personality disorders uh, self-harm is that that's that's the only time in their life, A, that they feel in control, and B, that they are controlling the pain that they feel all the time. And instead of an internal pain, a soul-crushing pain, it's a physical pain that's under their control. So, no, we can't control it, uh, sorry, we can't cure it, but we can help them learn better ways to alleviate that, uh, you know, the, the sense that they carry, whether sense of shame, fear, and so on. So, that's about the best that we And medication, you know, it won't change the personality, but it might alleviate, as you said, some of the stress or anxiety or depressed mood. That's the best that we can do. But we can learn. I mean, I work with many people with these conditions, and we can help them learn to function better within themselves and interpersonally and socially.
0: And I, I see a lot of, uh, I do some family law practice, and I do see, you know, people who have been diagnosed with those things, because it is very, it's very hard to live with a borderline because of that pushing away, pulling, for, pulling and pushing, you know, it's like acting in a way to push someone away. And on the other hand, they're, they're afraid of being abandoned. So it's constant uh, tug of war. And it's, it's very difficult on, on family members.
1: It really is. And, you know, there's a book called Stop Walking on Eggshells. Yes. And with borderline personality disorder, eggshells is the wrong metaphor. What it should be is stop walking on landmines because you never, with eggshells, at least you know where to avoid with landmines. The slightest thing can set them off and you, you wonder where did that come from it, it, it's constantly on guard uh, trying not to upset them trying to wonder you know trying to figure out what the heck just happened having a three-hour conversation and saying my head is spinning I have no idea what just happened every word that comes out of my mouth I'm afraid is going to be the one that you know that creates the next explosion Doctor, it can be very distressing yeah, very, but very again, much. I have lots of empathy for people with borderline sure. personality disorder
0: because it hurt people hurt people dr. Oren uh, Amate thank you so much. For for joining us and shedding light uh, on these interesting topics, uh, have a happy Mother's Day, and uh, and we'll hopefully you'll join us again soon.
1: Thank you. I look forward to
0: that. All right. Take care.